Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Well, hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 229 of The Sco Show. Proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, January 13th, 2022. And we have a playoff game to get ready for. The New England Patriots haven't qualified for the playoffs despite a loss in the season finale to the Miami Dolphins. They will travel to Buffalo to take on the Bills on what will be a frigid Saturday night. Today we're going to talk about the three things that I believe each team must do uh, to win this game. So we're going to dive into that. We're going to talk about what the Bills have to do first, then the Patriots, what they have to do to get a win in the second half of the show. Uh, before we do that, your usual cavalcade reminders. Please follow along with the hijinks on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at a variety of places. Uh, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, where I am previewing all of the AFC games this weekend. Doug Ferraro will have you covered for the NFC games. Uh, SB Nation, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, Pat's Pulpit, Blog and the Boys. You know where to find me on the Bird app, of course, at Mark Schofield. At the outset, a quick little update on some things. Um, Video work, hitting the pause button for, shall we just say, reasons. So things like three throws, uh, my YouTube channel you will see is just completely devoid of any content right now. Um, You could probably sort of figure out why, uh, but... Video work is going to be paused for the time being, at least some of the longer form breakdowns. Hope to get that all sort of sorted out. Going through some logistical things, got a new machine. Um, Adobe Audition wasn't quite working for me Monday, which really sort of put a hamper on doing a show for Monday. I finally got it up and running now. Uh, Going through some things um, behind the scenes from a logistical standpoint, but hope to be working those things out in the next coming days and weeks. But let's move ahead dive into this game and as I said we're going to cover this first from the Bills perspective and what I think the three things that the Buffalo Bills have to do uh, to win this game now they're probably not sort of earth-shattering ideas that you haven't thought of I'm, I'm sure if you're listening to the show odds are you've thought hard about this game you've probably come up with some of the same ideas but I think if you're the Buffalo Bills first thing you need to do is slow down the Patriots run game I don't think there's any surprise the Patriots are going to come into this game, and they're going to look to run the football. I mean, that's what the Patriots want to do this year from a schematic offensive standpoint. They want to be physical up front. They want to run the football. Uh, they want to minimize what Mac Jones needs to do. Not that they don't trust him or anything like that. It's just they're a run-first team right now. That's how they're built. They're a 12-21 personnel run game. Now, from Buffalo's perspective, you can make the case that in the game that they lost, the Monday night one, they did a better job stopping the run as opposed to the game that they actually won. 
Now, if you take away Damian Harris's 64-yard touchdown run, and I know that's a silly argument. You can't take away things that happen, but just play along with me for a second. If you take that away, New England averaged just 3.3 yards per attempt. Whereas in the week 16 game, New England averaged 5.5 yards per attempt. And if you want to look at it in terms of expected points added via the run game, New England in the second game averaged more than 0.2 expected points added per rushing attempt. In the first, it was actually negative. So Buffalo actually did a pretty good job stopping the run in the first game, the game that they actually lost, as opposed to the second game. Whether it's on a yards per attempt basis or an EPA basis, that's kind of what they did. Now, some things that I think will be critical for Buffalo in their effort to do that. They're going to need to be aggressive at the second level. We've seen that over the course of this season, right? We saw it in the Indianapolis game. There were examples of it in the second game. Buffalo haven't learned their lessons. If you are aggressive at the second level and flow downhill, you will erase the advantageous blocking angles that Bill Belichick, that Josh McDaniels are trying to establish on their crack toss designs, on some of their power designs, on their pin-pull stuff. If you're aggressive and crash downhill in response to that, you're going to have some success stopping the run. Also, two players I think will be critical in this effort, Ed Oliver, Harrison Phillips. You know, re-watching that Week 16 game, those guys are getting downhill quickly, are getting penetration quickly. Now, from a New England perspective, that opens up your trap game, your your crunch game. You know, let their aggressiveness, particularly Oliver's, work for you. If he wants to fly upfield, fine, let him, trap him. You know, short traps, long traps, however you want to do it. But I think that's something that you want to have in the script to go against them. But first and foremost for Buffalo, you're going to stop the run. Why? That puts the game in some respects on Mac Jones's right arm. And if you're Buffalo, you take away the middle of the field. And I, I said this on radio earlier this week. If I'm Leslie Frazier, if I'm Sean McDermott, if Mac Jones throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns, by hitting scholarship throws, more than that in a second, you tip your hat to him, you congratulate him on a job all done, and you lick your wounds and get ready for next year. But if Mac Jones beats you, throwing shallow crosser after shallow crosser, that's a you problem. You want to take away the stuff underneath, you want to take away the in cuts, digs, crossers, options, angles, all this stuff, say within the tackle box from the 0 to 10 to or 0 to even 15 yard range downfield. You want to take that stuff away. You want to force them to throw to the outside. You want to force them to throw deep over the top. And that's not really sort of a, you know, mind bending idea. I mean, it's something the teams tried to do with Tom Brady for years. It was the Rex... Ryan game plan against Tom Brady. Take away underneath throwing lanes. Take away stuff underneath shallows, drives, and all that stuff. Make him beat you outside the numbers and deep. Make him beat you by making those scholarship throws. And the Bills, particularly in the second game, obviously when the Patriots threw the ball more, 
had two ways that they did that. They would undercut routes. They would play things with low leverage, inside leverage. You're going to run a dig? Fine. We're going to be on your inside hip and cut underneath it and force Jones to drive it over the top of us. And they cut and robbed a ton of stuff. The Nikhil Harry drop along the left side, the play before the interception in that game, Mac didn't look at this route probably because he saw what was coming and immediately flashed his eyes to the outside. But they showed too high, spun it to a one robber, one cross, one lurk, however you want to term it. Jordan Poyer just crashed downhill on what was going to be a shallow crosser from Jacoby Myers. You had Teron Johnson and man coverage on it, and Poyer basically slams into him. And they both almost jam him when he's getting just about to a five-yard depth. They want to take that stuff away. Now, if Mac Jones goes out and, like I said, throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns with an average depth of target of like 12 yards and every big play he hits is outside the numbers and deep, obviously Patriots fans will be overjoyed. But the Bills will have thought, look, we didn't give him the easy stuff. You know, we forced him to do the stuff that you know, is a bit shaky for him right now. I mean, just look at the numbers. Again, this is just depth. But his adjusted completion percentage per pro football focus charted is 41.4% on throws over 20 yards downfield. That's 16th in the league. Like, it's not a strength of his right now. It will, he will get there. Of that, I'm pretty confident. You know, the arm strength is like league average right now. A little bit better year in, year out. A little more velocity added to these throws. That coupled with whatever he already can do with his mind. And he's going to be fine on that stuff. But for this Saturday night, as a Patriots fan, you'd rather see Mac Jones throwing underneath shallows, crossers. Again, that little tackle box area that I described. If he's consistently having to push things deeper downfield, that's not where they're comfortable right now. So if you're Buffalo, you want to force him to make those scholarship throws. The other thing the Bills need to do, they need to win the undercard. And what I mean by that is this. We all love playing the game. Well, who's going to cover who, right? What are they going to do with Stephon Diggs? What are they going to do, whether it's Beasy or Isaiah McKenzie, Manuel Sanders? Like, who's matching up against whom? Assuming for a second that the Patriots are going to live in a predominantly man coverage world, which I'll talk about, like I said, in a moment. If you're Buffalo, you want to win the undercard. Because Diggs, Jackson, the, the heavyweight title belt that, that everybody wants to see. I think if you take a step away from that, if you're Buffalo and you look at potential matchups of Isaiah McKenzie on Miles Bryant again. Or Isaiah McKenzie or Cole Beasley on Juwan Williams. Now that Jalen Mills is on the COVID list. Or on Sean Wade. That's where you want to live. Yeah, of course, Stephon Diggs is going to get his targets. He's going to get his opportunities. But if you're Buffalo, if you're Brian Dable, if you're Josh Allen. You've got one of the best coverage corners in the game right now. And J.C. Jackson. Then you've got... Miles Bryant. You've got Sean Wade. You've got some question marks after him. Forget trying to prove to everybody that Stephon Diggs is the best receiver in the game. Forget winning 
the main event, win the undercard stuff. So those are three things that I think the Buffalo Bills sort of need to focus on to win this game. Up next, from a Patriots perspective, what does New England have to do to pull off the upset on Saturday night? That's ahead here in episode 229 of the SCO Show. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 229 of the SCO Show. And before diving into what the Patriots have to accomplish to win on Saturday night, wanted to plug two things. Obviously, we've got a lot of general manager slash head coach and stuff. That's being bandied about. So over at Touchdown Wire, if you're interested, I've got lists of candidates for both potential head coaching jobs and potential general manager spots. Um, Some names you probably recognize, some names you might not. For example, there's a woman, Catherine Rossetti. I'm probably butchering her name, her last name at least. But I, I think she's my most intriguing general manager option of this hiring cycle. She's 32. She started out as a business lawyer in Montreal for a a law firm before making the move to the CFL. She had a couple of player personnel spots with the Montreal Alouettes, Toronto Argonauts, eventually moved over to the XFL first season under Mark Tressman. Now she's currently the vice president of player personnel for the Philadelphia Eagles. She's 32. And many people believe she will be the first female general manager. Um, Whether she gets interviews this cycle or next or two cycles from now remains to be seen. I haven't seen her name associated with an interview as of yet. But it's coming. That's certainly coming. There's also... um, Somebody that has been getting GM candidate interview request. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. He's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He undergrad in economics from Princeton, masters in economics from Stanford. He was a derivatives trader at a couple of different spots, including, including Credit Suisse. They decided, you know what? I'm going to the NFL. He worked for the 49ers in a couple of different roles. First as their manager for research and development, and then their vice president of research, development, and operations. He was hired by the Browns in 2020 as the vice president of football operations. 
He's considered the second person in command under Andrew Berry. That role is basically an assistant GM job. Like some outside-the-box names being considered uh, for general manager spots, whether this cycle or next or cycles to come. And so that's fascinating. And also, there are no truth to any rumors that I am in the mix for any potential quarterback coaching jobs. I'm just putting that out there right now. That's at least of this moment. Now let's talk about Saturday night. What do the Patriots have to do to win this game? And I don't think there is any surprise with the first two. They have to run the football. They have to put Mac Jones in a position to be successful. There's really no surprise there. What does it look like in terms of putting Mac Jones in positions to be successful? It starts with some effective run game concepts that mirror pass play action concepts. Now, I'm firmly of the belief that you do not have to have a successful run game to be successful throwing on play action. I The numbers back that up. The film backs it up. I mean, when you're running basically a single curl route off of play action, when your team is struggling to run the football, and it's still open because linebackers are reading their keys and they're coming downhill, and you know, you, you've thrown it out of base personnel, so the defense is in some you know, base coverages, base cover three, and the corner has to respect the vertical threat because he's no help over the top. And you've got maybe a, you know, a heavier defensive package in the game. You don't have to be running it down their throat to be able to throw successfully off of play action. You just have to do things creatively with personnel. You know, throw in play action out of empty and your play action run fake is a QB draw. Probably not going to fool too many people. But if you've got 12 personnel in the game, you've got 21 personnel in the game, and you're tying blocking concepts with play-action concepts, it's an easier sell. And so, for example, G-Lead, right, which was the run game design that they called down the stretch over and over and over again, where you've got Jakob Johnson leading, and you've got a pull concept coming from the backside, whether it's Ted Karras or Shaq Mason, you show that whether you get 20 yards a pop on it or two, the next time you show that, but it's really a throw to a tight end or to a shallow crosser, those linebackers, Milano, Edmonds, Klein, they're going to come downhill. So to put Mac Jones in a position to be successful, New England has to do a very good job at show and run concepts then using those same blocking schemes when they go to throw. Of course, look, when the Bills have the ball, you got to try to win or at least neutralize that secondary matchup like we talked about, the undercard, like we talked about. But then there's this. How do you handle Josh Allen? Allen is the team's second leading rusher on the year. Against the Patriots this year, he's got 18 carries for 103 yards, averaging nearly 6 yards an attempt. Overall, 122 carries for 763 yards. Now, we've gone down this road before, not just with Allen, but with athletic, mobile quarterbacks. How do you defend them? And this year, the Patriots have been more of a zone coverage team, but against the Bills, 28 Pass and dropbacks, using man coverage, 43 with New England in some kind of zone coverage. So it's been 
heavier zone this year. And that's according to SIS, Sports Info Solutions, man being defined as cover zero, one, or two man. Uh, zone being defined as cover two, cover three, cover four slash quarters, and cover six, quarter, quarter, half. And when you're using charting services like that for their data, it's good, but you can't hang your hat on it fully. It might not be 100%. And then there's all that pattern match stuff like we talked about where, okay, yeah, technically they're in some sort of zone pattern match, but it really plays out with man principles. And so for the purposes of this, keeping eyes on the quarterback, if you're technically in a zone pattern match, but everybody's playing it out like man with man eyes, as Saban would say it, it's basically man for our purposes. And so whenever the idea of playing man against a mobile quarterback comes up, your minds, because you're a little bit younger than me, probably go to Blake Bortles in the you know AFC Championship game a couple of years ago. Mine go here. Super Bowl 19. Joe Montana. And I got a quote that I'll read here in a second from his book, Audibles, My Life in Football talking about Super Bowl 19 where he said at that was at the time a Super Bowl record for rushing yards by a quarterback. He ran for 59 on that day back in 1985. That would then be broken by Steve McNair in 2000 with 64. Kaepernick's currently second with 62. But here's that quote from Montana that sticks in my mind. We pushed the ball downfield using short passes. But I noticed something in the Miami defense that I would take advantage of most of the afternoon. I knew Miami's linebackers were turning away from me as they dropped behind to cover our backs, who were running patterns out of the, patterns out of the backfield. I moved out of the pocket and followed their linebackers down the field. How could they tackle me? They were running downfield. And that's where my mind goes when you think about playing man coverage against a mobile quarterback, like Blake Bortles a couple years ago, like Josh Allen this Saturday night. If you want to play man coverage, you have to live with the fact that you can get everything covered up and Josh Allen is going to pull it down and get 10 yards downfield before anybody turns around. So that's sort of the fear with defending Josh Allen. Now, what do you do? Do you just play more zone coverage? Maybe. Or maybe not. Because the flip side to the coin is, okay, you want to play more zone coverage against Josh Allen. This year, his adjusted net yards per attempt against those zone coverages we just talked about, according to SIS, 6.4. Against man, 6.1. Not a huge difference. But he's been a little bit better against zone this year than he has against man. A little bit better against zone this year than he has been in years past. So then do you just say, okay, we'll play man, but we'll put a spy on him? Sure. But anytime you're taking a dedicated resource from a defensive perspective and dedicated it to the threat of a quarterback run, now you're in a sense playing 10.5 on 11. So Josh Allen poses a lot of problems. He forces you to answer some difficult questions. And the threat of his legs is a real one that the Patriots are going to have to deal with on Saturday night. And how they solve that question, how they account for Josh Allen's threat as a runner, 
And if they're able to neutralize that, we'll go a long way towards winning this game. That being said, we will see on, on Saturday night. So I will be back on Monday. We've got everything sort of sorted out from an audio logistical standpoint at this point. Um, so there shouldn't be any delays in getting a show up Monday, uh, breaking down hopefully a glorious victory. If not, we will start looking ahead to the offseason. Until then, friends, enjoy the games this weekend. Stay safe, checking on your loved ones, your neighbors, and all that good stuff. Wash your hands. And when you do, sit along. Bless those Patriots' reigns. Down in Foxborough.